Hello, my wonderful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 44, and I'm calling it Tibetan Buddhism, Mystical Christianity, and the DNA of Generosity. So we'll get to that in just a moment. A couple things first. Last week, I told you that me and four of my friends are... Uh, going to a place in Charlotte called Time Out Youth. Uh, Time Out Youth is a place that um, supports and encourages LGBTQ kids um, and gives them a safe place to come and to be and also to um, be with their, their allies, with their families. Uh, they're just a real support system for these kids who often feel like they are outcasted and shamed by other people in their world. And so anyway, uh, me and four of my friends are going there at the end of June, and we're going to be uh, serving dinner to them. So we're actually going to be cooking dinner and serving it to these kids and their families and their friends and their allies. And I'm super excited about it. And the thing is that we have to bring all of the food, and we've got to cook a vegetarian meal, a gluten-free meal, and a uh, regular meal. And so we got to buy all the food, we got to cook all the food. And so I threw it out there last week, I'm like, hey... We're doing this really cool thing. Um, I, kind of, I posted all the links in the show notes, all that kind of stuff. And I said, if you'd like to help buy the food, um, you can send some money my way. And so many of you did. My goodness, we're up to $435 as of the recording of this episode. So, man, a huge round of applause to all of you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, we need the money by the end of June, so if you still would like to give, there's still time. Um, any money that's left over after we buy all the food and the supplies and all that kind of stuff um, will be given as a donation to Time Out Youth, and we will put together a card, and we will write your name in the card if you gave um, money. So we have until another week or so. Uh, actually, what, what day is it? No, we have like two or three weeks, actually. Uh, so I'll keep mentioning it. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you'll see it on Facebook, and uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You can send money through PayPal, the Cash App, uh, Venmo, Apple Cash. Um, you can mail me money if you want to, whatever we got to do. Uh, if you want to participate, that's cool. Even if you can't participate, that's fine. No shame in that at all. Um, I get that. Uh, you can just feel free to reach out on Facebook and uh, wish us luck, uh, give us prayers, because uh, we got to cook these meals for like 40 people. Uh, so that's a lot of people. I don't know. I, I never really cooked a meal for anybody much bigger than, um, you know, a family. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And three meals. So gluten-free, vegetarian, regular. My wife is doing the, the gluten-free meal. Uh, she's probably going to make it ahead of time. Uh, because my, my daughter for a while was way to do gluten-free stuff with her. So my wife is like really, she's like a ninja at making uh, gluten-free teriyaki chicken. And so I think that's going to be really good. So uh, anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'll share more as the time comes and I'll uh, probably share some stuff when it's over too um, on, on the, 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 uh, the podcast. So awesome. Thank you. Uh, another thing, new there's a new Facebook group that's up and uh, the Facebook group is called the What If Project Community. And it's a closed Facebook group and what that means is that not anybody can join. Uh, somebody can't just come along, find it, and go in there and start talking and posting and stuff like that. So you, have, you click a link uh, to join the group, 
and then there's like two questions that you at that you have to answer. I think the first one is, uh, why do you want to join the group? And then the second one is, you know, do you promise to be a safe place for the people in this group? Uh, it's a closed group because uh, the stuff that happens in there and is talked about in there uh, stays in there. Uh, it's not something to be uh, broadcasted around. It's not for somebody to come in there and start arguing with people, things like that. It's a safe place to ask questions, to explore, um, to doubt, to wonder, to share ideas, uh, share other books that you found helpful, um, other podcast episodes and podcasts that you found uh, helpful, um, to share maybe videos you found online that are helpful. Um, it's a place where you can share things that you're learning. Just be with other people who are also on their own spiritual journey. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to start sending out invites this week. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. Um, and you are welcome to um, go in there and, and, and join. And, and it will be a strict, it will be really strict because I want this to be a place um, of just mutual respect and it's a place of love and just a place where people can come and be themselves and not have to worry about being judged and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how all that will work yet. Um, hopefully, we'll never have to think about um, how to get somebody to stop being judgmental or whatever. But uh, hey, we're just going to give it a whirl and see where it goes. Um, maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. Um, I don't know. But I really want to see um, this be something for people to come to and experience um, safety in their in their spiritual journey. So those are the two things I've got to share with you, uh, Time Out Youth and the new Facebook group. But this is episode number 44. And again, I'm calling it uh, Tibetan Buddhism, Mystical Christianity, and the DNA of Generosity. So even as I like read, even as I read that title, I can almost, I can almost feel the people from my old tribe of more conservative uh, evangelical Christians begin to like twitch, right? Like, oh, here we go. You know, Glenn's gone off the deep end. Um, he no longer believes that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You know, first he challenges hell, then he's talking about LGBTQ inclusion, and now he's talking about Buddhism, right? Great. So before we go any further, I, I want to tell you the origins of what I'm about to share with you. Um, put it into a little bit of uh, context. A few months ago, I came across an organization called uh, Speak Easy, which is headed up by a guy named uh, Mike Morell, and I will actually put the link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, the show notes are getting longer in the last couple of weeks. I feel like there's like all of these uh, different links to point you in these different directions. But anyway, this will be another one that will add to it. Uh, but Mike runs in a in a lot of the kind of forward thinking Christian circles that I'm becoming more acclimated to. And he heads up uh, Speakeasy where he puts new books from both well-known and even not so well-known uh, progressive thinking people into the hands of podcasters, uh, bloggers, uh, people like that who promise to read the books and then present their ideas uh, or their thoughts and their feedback to their audience. So whether it's in written form, vocal form, whatever, just share with people what you thought of this book. And the books are free, which is cool. All you need to do is talk about them. So it's a way for you to kind of build your library with this new stuff and gives you content to share with your people. Cool. So I applied, you know, to be a podcaster, a blogger that partners with him. And uh, I was accepted. And I got to, to pick a book that felt interesting to me. So I chose a book with a fairly uh, obscure title uh, called The Lotus and the Rose, a conversation between a Tibetan 
Buddhist and mystical Christian. And the deal is that once you get the book, you've got 30 days to read it and then share your thoughts with your audience. And, and although I had every intention of doing that, uh, life, life sideswiped me these last couple of months. Uh, if you've been tuning into the podcast every week, you know that I had like a million changes to make to my dissertation before I handed it in last week. Um, I sent it in for what I think is the final, final time. Um, my daughter got uh, pneumonia a few weeks ago. I had a nasty sinus infection, um, as did my wife. I got a new position at Apple, and I moved to a, a different store in Charlotte, so that was a bit of a, a transition just mentally for me. And, and so my life has been like up and down and left and right and forward and backward, like all over the place. And I, I reached out to Mike, and I told him, you know, what was going on, and he was incredibly gracious, and he said I could share my thoughts uh, whenever I got around to it, which is uh, right now, early on Saturday morning. And so b- before I, I jump into those thoughts, I need to tell you that I I don't want this to be like a summary of the book, because if you want a summary, you can just go to Amazon or do like a quick Google search and find a bunch of things about it from people that love it, hate it, whatever. And, and I also don't want this to be a time where I just tell you what I think of the book, uh, because that gets boring after like 30 seconds. Uh, I'll tell you what I think for sure, but I want this to be more helpful than that. And so so I guess you could say that this episode will be like partly a review of the book, along with me sharing my biggest takeaway after reading it, okay? So I want to start with what I think. Um, I loved the book, and I hated it, to be honest with you. And I loved it because I loved the content and the ideas uh, that the book put forward, Uh, Just a little bit of background, if this is your first time uh, here or one of your first times here. I grew up in a a conservative evangelical world where Jesus is the only way, right? Western evangelical Christianity is the only way. And if you don't believe that Jesus died to save you from God's anger against your sin and your life is full of sin, uh, then you're on the highway to hell and it's too bad for you, right? Like I grew up with that. Um, I believed that, I taught that, I even preached that on many occasions uh, from the pulpit in a church, and I recently turned my back on that kind of stuff. Uh, I find that all to be kind of boring, um, irrelevant, irreverent, uh, fear-based, exclusive, mean, and I think a poor description of what we find um, in the narrative of the Bible. Like, if I'm being honest with you, I no longer believe that God sentenced Jesus to death so that by believing in him, God will somehow forgive my sins and let me into heaven when I die. Um, Instead, and I've heard this before, but it's worth repeating, I believe that when God came to earth as a human being in the form and the person of Jesus, filled with love and grace and kindness and mercy for all people, I believe that mankind didn't know what to do with that. Right? They didn't have room for that in the chaotic empire that it had, it had created. And so what humanity did is it killed God. But then God continued. God continued to show love and grace and kindness and mercy as he hung from, from the cross. And he shouted forgiveness for everyone, even his, his murderers who didn't ask for it. Uh, and I think that was an act that empowered him to kick away the stone from the grave three days later and rise from the dead, defeating death for everyone, everywhere, once and 
for all. That, I think, is the narrative. Uh, so, yes, I believe that Jesus came to earth um, and showed humanity how to live in the ways that are bred into the DNA of every single one of us. Uh, ways that are often overshadowed and crushed and overcome by the world around us, so that rather than live as people of love and grace like we were created to, we often live as people of hate and bitterness and revenge. And I believe that Jesus came to show us that it really is love and grace and forgiveness that wins. Love wins and can empower us to overcome our greatest enemies, even the enemy of death. And, And so I'm at this interesting place where I believe that those are our truths. I believe that those are truths, and they aren't just found within Christianity, but they're found within Buddhism, Islam, even in in atheism. I believe that no one comes to the Father. Jesus said this, I believe that no one comes to the Father except through the Christ. And so I believe that whenever someone acts or lives or treats another human being, another living thing, in the ways in which Jesus modeled for us, then I believe that those people are walking in the footsteps of Christ and are in the embrace of their Father, the Creator, whether their eyes are open to it or not. And that's an unpopular opinion amongst my evangelical tribe, but I don't really care. Uh, It's where I find myself these days. It's what makes the most sense to me. And it's what I think more and more clearly I see in the Bible every time I open it. To put it plainly, I don't think Jesus was as much interested in creating a religion in his name as he was in meeting his creation on their turf and modeling for us how to live the best life. And so I loved the book, The Lotus and the Rose, because it showed me how a Buddhist and a Christian can talk and relate and meet each other on the very same level, recognizing that the same DNA of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, recognizing that it's wired into all of us. And I have a few takeaways from the book, and I want to share one of them with you in a moment. But real quick, what I hated about the book is that it's basically the the transcript of Reverend Matthew Fox and uh, Lama Somo, I think I'm saying the name right, Somo, uh, talking at various conferences and events where they did like presentations of the intersection of Christianity and Buddhism. And although it's jammed with tons of good content and interesting points, I found it hard sometimes to follow what was going on because reading a conversation is much different than listening to a conversation, right? And although the book provides links to go and listen to the actual conversation, when I when I have a book and I read a book, I want to read a book, right? Uh, not listen to a conversation, not try to mentally recreate the conversation that I'm uh, reading about. So like like sometimes Fox and, and Soma would make a joke, but I didn't really get it because hearing a joke right is different than reading a joke. Or maybe I would get it, but only after reading it four or five times thinking, is this, is this a joke? Like what, what, what am I reading here? Uh, and if I'm, if I'm going to make a joke like on this podcast, right, and I'm going to write about it differently on my blog, or, or maybe I won't make the joke at all on the blog because sometimes a joke that works here that might make you chuckle, you would read it and you'd be like, what the heck is that? It doesn't make any sense, right? So what you hear is not always the same as what you what you read. And in addition to that, I couldn't hear the fluctuation in their voices, right? And so while I was reading their conversation, 
I felt like I wasn't sure of the context of the conversation I was reading. And so I struggled to follow along at times, and I found my mind kind of wandering all over the place. And a few times I had actually like put the book down and read something else and then come back to it um, the next day. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to just pick on the book, and I'm not 100% sure how to fix it. And maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just weird. But I almost wish the book was still a conversation between Fox and Somo, but instead of a, a transcript of their conversation, it was like maybe this written exchange of ideas. Or maybe Fox would write one chapter, Somo would respond in the next chapter in response to what Fox said in the previous chapter. And, and I realized that, you know, neither one of them might have the time to do something like that. Maybe they would even hate the idea. But I feel like it would allow um, their their hearts and ideas to come through the pages in a way that makes reading them uh, a little bit easier. For, for me, I think I would have gotten a lot more out of the book had it been kind of set up uh, in that way. So aside from that, though, you know, I found the book really insightful and really, really helpful. And again, rather than summarize the book and tell you, you know, everything that it was about, I just want to share with you one thing that I took away from the book that gave me some new perspective and fresh ways to think about my own walk with God, things I'm literally trying to apply um, just this past week. Um, at the heart of Christianity and, and Buddhism is, is the drive to be generous towards the world around you, as well as the idea that the world around you is, in a sense, generous to you. And I'll explain that in a minute. But, but first, what does it mean to actually be generous? Uh, there's this one part in the book where, where Fox talks a lot about uh, the idea of generosity. And he says that from the word generous, we also get the word uh, genesis or beginning. Um, and generativity uh, is another word which I had to actually look up on in, in the dictionary because I wasn't 100% sure what it refers to. But it refers to a need to guide people along who are younger or less experienced than you are. So uh, from the word genes ge generous, we get the word genesis, which means beginning, and generativity, which refers to a need to guide people along who are younger or less experienced than you. So why is this important? Because it means that generosity isn't just about giving something or being a giving person, but it's also about somehow about the beginnings or the origins of, of the world, of the universe, because perhaps, perhaps it's a thing or a characteristic that has been embedded into the DNA of the universe from the very beginning. Again, from the word generous, we get the word genesis. And so perhaps this is important because it points to the idea that generosity uh, is, is embedded into the fabric of the universe from the genesis, from the beginning, from the origins of everything. And so in addition to that, Fox says that the, the uh, idea of generosity also includes the idea of being creative which means that you can't necessarily be generous without also being creative, right? If, if Genesis is within the word generosity, and that's the beginning, with the beginning of all things, uh, there was a creation of some sort where everything that you see was, was made. And, and so generosity includes creative, creativeness, which means that you can't be generous without also being creative. And that makes sense, right? 
because the very idea of creating something means that I will eventually, in a sense, give it away to the world around me to enjoy and to take part in. Uh, Fox spends a, a considerable amount of time with this idea, and I'm probably not really doing it justice. I'm just trying to give you the the very broad overview. But then he closes with this idea, and I want to read you this quote. He says that generosity has to do with cosmology, our genesis, where we come from, our beginnings, as well as our creativity. And again, we have to go beyond the lineages that are human, even beyond the thing we call Buddhism, beyond the thing we call Christianity or Judaism, to all other beings that have brought us here. And so what Fox is saying is that generosity is not a Christian thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Buddhist thing. It's not even a human thing. Instead, Fox is making the argument that just as human beings can be generous to other human beings and other living things, so the universe is, in a sense, generous to humanity. Generosity is embedded into every single thing in the universe. Think about this. The sun, for instance. Uh, The earth and all of the systems of the earth run on like one billionth of the energy that the sun gives out every day. So in other words, the sun shares its power and shares its life with you and me and every other living thing on the planet while also giving out light to the rest of the universe and doing things that science has yet to or maybe never will uh, figure out. And so even on a day when the news is filled with terrible things, murders, rapes, kidnappings, shootings, bombs, all that stuff, and people withholding generosity from each other, we can look up to the sky and we can see at least one thing in our midst that is generous all the time. And I love that idea, right? Because it shows me that generosity has been bred into the universe by the creator, by the divine, by the spirit, right from the very beginning. And generosity isn't something that's just limited to humanity. It's wired into everything. I mean, think about it. Plants, right, share themselves with us. Trees share their fruit. Trees give themselves to form the homes that we live in. Uh, The dirt shares its nutrients. Fire shares its warmth. The earth shares its resources. Do you see what I mean? Everything that has been made or exists has a way in and of itself that it can be generous and giving to uh, the world around it. And that includes you and me and the people that we might consider to be different than us. You see, generosity is not just a Jesus thing. It's not just a Buddhist thing, a Muslim thing, a Jewish thing, an atheist thing. It's not a black thing, a white thing, an LGBTQ thing. Generosity, rather, is a creation thing, a universe, a cosmos thing. Generosity is hardwired into the DNA of the universe, so much so that everything, everywhere is generous or giving to something in some way, shape, or form. And so that means that you and I are connected to each other because we have the capacity to be generous beings. Uh, We are connected to people who think differently than we do because they have the capacity to be generous just like we do. We're connected to people who live differently than we do because they have the capacity to be generous just like we do. We are connected to the rich because they have the capacity to be generous. We're connected to the poor. We're connected to people of different sociological 
backgrounds, people of different color, different belief systems, different genders, different sexual orientations. We're connected to different mammals because they have the capacity to be generous. We're connected to plants, water, the sun, because they have the capacity to be generous in their own way. Right? We are connected to these people, to these things, because in all of the ways that we are drastically different, we all have in common, we are all the same in the sense that we all have within us the power to be generous. Uh, generosity, right? It's, it has been there always since the Genesis, since the beginning of time. And so the question is, will you act on that generosity today and every day going forward? Will you do something with it? Uh, Buddha would say that you should. And Jesus says that you should. And other spiritual, even non-spiritual teachers say that you should because this thing is hardwired into you. So what will you do to be generous today? Those are my thoughts on the Lotus and the Rose. And before I, I close, I have to mention one thing that Mike uh, asked us to, to mention when we, when we talk about the, the books that we read. Um, all of these ideas in this post are, are mine. They're just reflections on the book. Uh, no one persuaded me to give the book uh, a good rating or to rate the book one way or another. Uh, no one knew of my thoughts before I... Uh, publish them on this uh, podcast episode, and uh, I received no payment for this review. No one is slipping me money to say anything good about the book. Uh, so go and be generous. Tap into uh, the DNA of generosity that is flowing through you, and go be generous to the people around you. Much love to you, and I'll uh, see you next time. Bye-bye.